0: The first thing that I'm going to do is pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence that's here with us. Lord God, as we get into your word, I pray that it would be living word in our hearts as you're communicating to us. God, we don't want to just read the words on a page, but we want your living, breathing, life-giving word to be planted deep in our hearts, Lord. And as we receive that, I thank you that it's going to bear fruit in our lives that glorifies you, brings praise and honor to you, God. Lord, I pray that you would use us, use this church, use us as individuals to reveal who you are to a world that desperately needs to see you. We're looking to you this morning. We thank you that you reveal yourself, change us from one degree Of glory to the next as we behold you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, so if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you know that we're in a series that is spectacular. It's huge, if I could quote the president. It's been awesome. We're talking about Jesus being supreme, Jesus over everything. And we've been looking specifically at the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. So we're in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And we're talking about themes that come up in that. And it's all based around this idea that Jesus truly is over everything. Jesus is supreme. And we're going to talk more about that here in a second. But as we've been getting into this, we're slowly getting a little bit further into, okay, if Jesus is supreme, what does that mean for us? And how do we live under that? How do we act as people who know that Jesus is over everything? And this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer, specifically about prayer. And so I believe that no matter what your prayer life is up to this point, if you pray every day for hours, if you pray without ceasing, or if you hardly ever pray at all, I believe that every single one of us can take another step a little bit closer, a little bit deeper in our prayer walk with the Lord. And so I believe that that he's going to reveal some things to us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to stir us up a little bit to be a church that prays. And that honestly, I mean, that's the best thing that I could ask for as a pastor. That's the thing that the world needs is first and foremost, a church that prays. Because I, I want us to be active. God wants us to be active. But, but the very first activity that we need to be, it, that should be our first reflex, our first instinct, it should be instinctual for us is to pray, to go to the Lord in prayer. And this is a, a timely thing for us as a church because we're in a time in our culture and in, in the world where there's a lot of things to do. Can anybody give me a witness that, like, there's work to be done in our world? There's things that need to be done. And we as a church, we need to be doers. We need to be activated. Things that, you know, we've got an election coming up. It's good for us to vote. It's good for us to, to be involved in what's going on in the world. But first and foremost, we need to pray. And too often, that becomes a last resort as opposed to, the first thing, the, the, the main instigator, activator of who we are as Christians, what we do, is to pray. So anyway, I'm already teaching the message, but I just wanted to give you a little sneak preview. This is what we're talking about. It's prayer, and we all have room to grow here, and it's vitally, vitally important. This is how we live our lives under Jesus' Lordship, is through a lifestyle of prayer. So so I'm going to back up a little bit. We're going to get into an intro, but as I do, I want to remind you, I know we've got some people who haven't been here for long, and and I talk about this sometimes, but I don't always. There's a Victory Life Church app that you can get on your phone, and there's different things that you can do in that. You can give of tithes and offerings in that. You can see what events are coming up. But one of those things is you can see message notes in that. And so, if that's something that helps you to engage, maybe uh, you just like to kind of follow along. If you go to the Victory Life Church app. You can find message notes there under messages. And so the notes for, for this morning are there if you wanna follow along. Obviously, there'll still be stuff on the side screens and you can follow along in your Bible, whatever. But I just wanna make sure that you know that's available and a way to engage as we go here. So, uh, but anyway, if, if you've got that, you wanna open up the notes, you can get there. But again, kind of going back to the beginning of this series, we're talking about how Jesus is supreme. And I know that our youth pastor, Connor Harrison, he talked about pizza when he talked about Jesus' supremacy, right? Was that it? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. I thought pizza. Okay. So, you know, you think about that word. What is supreme? Is it a burrito? Is it a pizza? Now, we call that supreme because it's got everything. It's got all of it. And so supreme, th- this comes from uh, Colossians, of course. Colossians 1.18 talks about Jesus, that in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. And that word there, preeminent, can also be translated supreme, over everything, in all, filling everything. He's, he's it. He's the grand poohbah of the universe. And not in like some pat himself on the back kind of way, like he legitimately is supreme he's number 1 he's the biggest and so that that's one of those things that we could talk about all day i could say it over and over again jesus is supreme he's number 1 he's the greatest he's the biggest but what we're getting into now what paul even is talking about is okay if jesus is preeminent over everything if he is supreme if he's this big what does that mean for us what what does that need to look like in the life of the church what does that need to look like in the life of a christian and so we've talked about Jesus being supreme. Number one, over everything, filling everything. Everything that was created on this, in this world, everything seen and unseen, it came through by Him. He's supreme. And we talked last week about how He's also sufficient. If he is supreme and over everything, he also is enough for everything that we need. We, you and I, we do not need Jesus plus. We need Jesus. We need Him. Him alone. There's nothing else in this world that's going to add to what he's already done for you. When he said it is finished, he meant it. It's finished. And of course, he's got us on this journey of maturity, of perfection, of completion. But he's the one, just like he started a good work in us, he's going to be the one that's faithful to complete it. We don't need Jesus plus, we need Jesus. And so if Jesus is supreme, if Jesus is sufficient, how do we as the church, as his people, how do we live out that reality? Because it's not just an idea to talk about way off in the universe and after we die. Jesus being supreme is a reality that needs to be lived right now. Jesus's supremacy needs to be seen in Boswell, Oklahoma on October 18th. Is that where we're at? On October 18th, 2020, Jesus' supremacy needs to be seen and felt and experienced in and through his people. How do we do that? And we're talking about prayer. talking about prayer this morning. And so here's the deal. As we talk about prayer, let's just first and foremost, let's go to the book of Colossians. That's what we're talking about here, right? Colossians 1, I'm going to start in verse 9, and we're going to read a prayer that Paul prays over this church here. Starting in verse 9, going up to, to 14, and so... for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul is saying a lot here. There's so much to unpack. We could Preach whole series, not just on the Book of Colossians, but on these verses right here. There's so much that he's saying. But to start, to bring it back to verse nine, the very beginning point. From the moment we heard about you, we have not ceased praying for you. We've not stopped praying for you. And so we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And before I get into this, I want to say we're we're going to talk about what prayer does to the life of a Christian. How how a lifestyle of prayer changes us forms us, what it does to us, why we pray, what it looks like. But something that I'm not necessarily going to get into this morning is necessarily how to pray, okay? We're not going to get into the how and the specifics. That's other topics for other times. I will refer you to one of Pastor Dwayne's series called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. If you want to get deep into the, how do I pray, how do I pray effectively, Lord, teach us to pray. Dwayne Sheriff is a wonderful starting point for that. But here's what I want to encourage you in. So many people will come to me and be like, man, how do I pray? My prayer's not working. Uh, how do I know that I'm doing this right? And it's evident that they're not actually doing it. That I, well, I don't want to start praying until I know how to do it, right? Well, when it comes to prayer, like many other things in the world, on-the-job training is the best way. Okay, you learn to drive a car not by reading a book, but by being in the driver's seat of a car and putting your foot on the gas pedal whenever you need to and dodging other vehicles on the road, hopefully. That's how you learn to drive. You you learn by doing, and that's like, like it is with so many different people. You learn by doing, and it's the same way with prayer. I'm telling you, the best way to learn how to pray is to commit yourself to prayer. Commit yourself to doing it because it's one of those things that you don't have to be a super Christian. You don't have to be a super duper Bible scholar expert to start praying. God has made himself available to us in and through prayer. It's accessible to every single person. You know, you don't even have to be a Christian to pray. If you had to be a Christian to pray, we wouldn't be able to get saved because we, we are saved by praying. In prayer and in reaching out to God, God makes prayer available to everyone. Everybody can try this. Everybody can do this. Everybody can experiment with this. And the best way you learn to, to the how to pray is in the doing. And, of course, you're going to have questions along the way. Of course, there's going to be ways that we can improve. And so there's teaching for that. But what I'm talking to you about tonight is why. Why, why do we commit ourselves to prayer? And I really want to inspire us, each and every one of us, to continued development in prayer. Again, you don't have to learn how to pray before you start to pray, you know, because people will come and say, man, I'm, I've been doing this and it hasn't been working. Well, how long have you been praying about it? Oh, like a day or, oh, you know, a whole week now. Uh, have you ever began a journey of working out? Anybody? It looks like at least some people have. Okay, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look anybody in the eyes, but somebody here at least has worked out. But uh, you ever taken those mirror selfies after day one of working out? Doesn't look that great, does it? You're not ready for your before and after pick just yet. So if you took that mirror selfie after day one of working out and saw like, wow, my abs are not here yet. And you just gave up on it. Well, working out doesn't really matter. I need to learn how to work out before I can actually do this and experience the benefits. You know, prayer like that, we know in our minds that having a discipline, having a continued practice, committing ourselves to it over a long term and over the long haul, that's where we start to see major results. And you know what? God's the powerful one. He can make something happen in an instant. But as far as the way that prayer influences us, how it shapes us, to see those kinds of results, those are over a long haul. Those are over a discipline, over a lifestyle and a lifetime of prayer. So don't give up. After just a little bit of trying, if you don't see something happening, if you don't see something changing, you don't give up. Continue. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. Keep pressing on in prayer. So how does prayer shape us as Christians? The first thing that I want to talk about is it connects us to God's work. Prayer connects us to the work that God wants to do in this world. I know I've preached this to you before, but that's the life of a pastor is you hear things that I've said multiple times. If I say it again, then just know it's important, okay? So I've told you this before, uh, but if you would go to, to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, again, prayer connects us to God's work. Prayer connects us to what God wants to do. As we live a lifestyle of prayer, then we get connected to God's work. In Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to start here in verse 36. This is Jesus. He's looking out over the crowds of people and he's talking to his disciples. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus sees these crowds helpless, hopeless, sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them. And he tells his disciples, look at this. Look at this huge harvest that's just ready. We just need laborers. The laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into this field. And I wonder, you know, some things you don't pick up from Scripture just from the words on the page, but I wonder how much of a dramatic pause Jesus left after saying that. Like, was it the next day that he picked things back up? Was it like five seconds? I know there had to have been some kind of silence for a moment because the very next thing that he says here in chapter 10, verse 1, is he called them to him, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. It reads off the names of the disciples there. And then in in verse 5, it says, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, and he gave them instructions on what they're to do. I wonder how much of a dramatic pause he said, pray that the Lord would send laborers into this harvest. Now I'm sending you out right? Whenever you pray, whenever you're living a life of prayer, God, I pray that you would bring healing to Boswell, Oklahoma. I pray that you would bring healing to Choctaw County. I pray that you would bring healing to Bryan County, to the families that are here. The more you start to pray about it, how long is it? If you've prayed over somebody or something before, how long has it been until you start to hear the Lord reveal to you what part you have to play in that prayer? You got an experience with that, I'm sure. If you've been praying over anything, God, help this country. Lord, the leaders of this country, give them wisdom, give them guidance, reveal your spirit to them, reveal your plan and your wisdom to them. How long is it until you start thinking like, man, I should go out and vote this year. (laughs) I'm praying about this. I, I should probably take some action as well, right? But again, the instigating thing, we don't start with the action. We start with the prayer. Jesus didn't just say, hey, look at all these people, get out there. No, he said, first and foremost, let's pray about this. Let's earnestly pray to the God of the harvest that he would do something about this. And it's in that moment of prayer, it's in that time of prayer and intimacy with the Lord that you start to see, wow, okay, he wants me to do something here. This prayer connects me to God's work, connects me to the work of God. Have you ever felt, and I'm not going to look at anybody in the face on this one, But have you ever felt like, oh, man, I don't have a job to do. I don't have something to do in the church. I wish Pastor Micah would just tell me something to do. I wish Pastor Micah would just put me to work. Listen, I'm I'm okay with putting people to work, all right? But I'm not the greatest at putting people to work. You know who's really, really good at putting people to work is the Holy Spirit of God. So if before coming to me and saying, hey, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? The best thing is to go in prayer first. To go to the Lord, God, what do you have for me? What, what do you want me to set my hands to? Because I'm telling you, every single person has a job to do. Not from me to give it to him, but from the Lord to give it to him. And I I want to be someone who empowers you to do the work that God's called you to do. I want there to be space in this church for every single gift, every calling, every uh, God-inspired idea to have room to grow and flourish. But it needs to be generated through a lifestyle of prayer and through connection and intimacy with the Lord to show us what we do. Because without the prayer aspect first, we become what we do and you are not what you do. I don't care how much this society would try to tell you that. I don't care how much our culture would try to say, you are what you do. That's the first question we ask people when we meet them. Hi, how's it going? What's your name? What's your job? What do you do? And yeah, okay, it's a conversation starter. I get it. But there's an element within that that We're trained to see people for what they do for what they contribute for what they have to offer for How much money they make for what their contribution to society is But you know what first and foremost before you do you pray you belong to the lord You cultivate intimacy with him and he will put you to work He'll give you some work to do, but it needs to come out of this intimacy with the lord Amen, i'm getting some amens. That's good. I I I hear some people who have prayed before God, in prayer, he connects us to his work. Every single person. This is not for super believers. This is not for pastors. This is not just for ministers. This is for everybody. Everybody has something to contribute to God's kingdom. Every single person has something to offer, whether you know it or not. And the way you discover it is through prayer. Prayer connects us to God's work. Another thing that a lifestyle of prayer will do is it will connect us to God's word prayer connects us to God's word. This is the reason why every single message that I'm going to preach or anytime we get into the scriptures together, we pray. We pray, God, I pray that you would bring revelation from the words on the page, from the, the things that we're going to be saying. I pray that you would bring revelation because it's his Holy Spirit that reveals things to us. It's in prayer. It's in intimacy with him that he connects us to what his word is. Have you ever, I, man, I have to catch myself doing this all the time. Uh, you know, every single good task can become some kind of spiritual ritual that we just, you know, don't think about. There will be times that I'll get, start getting into scripture and I'm like, okay, it's, just, it's time to read my Bible today. Let's start reading something. And I'll start reading and I'm like, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. And, you know, it's, it's not always to get something out of it. But sometimes the Lord will catch my attention a little bit and be like, hey, time out. Have you prayed? Are you praying right now? Are you reading prayerfully? Are you reading to listen, to hear, to see what it is that I'm saying through this? Because y'all, without the Spirit of God, this is just words on a page. Without God's Spirit of revelation, this is just words on a page. The atheists can read this cover to cover and get nothing out of it except for ways that they can argue with their Christian friends. So what brings, what changes lives, what what makes this something that is living, breathing, active in our lives is through prayer with the Lord that I'm not just reading this to read it. I'm not just reading a, a manuscript from history here. I'm reading what you have to say to me, and God, I want you to speak through it. So submitting ourselves prayerfully to the Lord, it connects us to what the word is. Because too often we do just just call this the word. And y'all, I'm not trying to say this isn't the word. This is life, Holy Spirit inspired words of God. But you know that the word made flesh is Jesus Christ. This word lived and breathed and moved is Jesus Christ. Here in a second, we're going to talk about the word of the gospel. His gospel is the word. The the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done to us, for us, that is the word. That's the word. And that's that's what starts to plant seeds in our lives and starts to bear fruit. So it's through prayer that we connect to the word. Not just words on the page, but the living, breathing, the life of the word, the spirit of God who's made his dwelling within us. It's through prayer and a lifestyle of prayer that we connect to that. Coming back to this, this scripture as, as Paul is praying. Uh, and so from the day we heard, this is verse nine again. From the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Y'all, you know, the, the stakes are high here. The stakes are high for us to be connected with the Lord, he said, so that we would live a life worthy of God, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Does that sound daunting to anyone else besides me? To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, you know, he's worthy of quite a bit. He's worthy of a lot, of a lot more than I can give, a lot more than I have to offer. He's worthy of it. And so what is it, what what on earth would make it to where I could possibly live a life that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing I could do on my own strength. Nothing I can do, there's nothing I have to offer. So what is it that, that would bear fruit, that would make fruit start to sprout out of my life, that brings glory to God, that is worthy of him? It's It's in the Word. It's found in being connected in the Word. I'm going to back up a little bit here in Colossians. You know, we're talking about prayer this morning. Paul talks a lot about prayer here, okay? So in Colossians 1 verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He's still talking about prayer here. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth. Everybody say the word of the truth. The word of the truth, the gospel. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing. The word of truth, the gospel, is bearing fruit in the entire world. And it's growing. As it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood it. The grace of God in truth. Y'all, this what He's talking about we're praying for you that just as this word, this word of the gospel was planted in you, it's growing, it's bearing fruit, it's developing all over the world just like it's doing in you. Y'all, it's in prayer that we're connected to that word and it's only in prayer and connecting to that word that we can live a life worthy of the calling of Christ, that we can live a life that bears fruit. Amen. Give it up for the Lord. That It's only through that that we can live a life that's worthy of Christ, that we can live a life that bears fruit. If you go to the book of Psalms, Psalms 1, it talks about a person who who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, but someone whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose delight is in the word of the Lord. It's that person that's their fruit does not wither their their leaves do not wither they bear fruit in its season they're firmly planted by rivers of water there's this picture even in the psalms of the person who delights in the law of the lord in the word of the lord in the law made flesh in Jesus Christ who delights in that who's spending time in that who's developed in that rooted in that that's the person that's going to bear fruit that's the person that is, it's going to come in your life a life worthy of the call of Christ if we if we make that that call, that living a life worthy of Jesus, if we make that some like spiritual burden that we just have to act right, do right, do enough, don't do all the bad stuff, if we just make that some huge weight for ourselves, we're going to crumble under the weight of that. The law crushes without grace in Jesus Christ. The law can destroy. But if if we just say, I'm going to delight myself in the word of the Lord, not just these words on a page, but in the living word that is Jesus Christ, who's decided to put his spirit in me and to make available relationship to him through prayer, in conversation, not just speaking, but listening. If I'm going to delight in him and just live my life in him, then that fruit's going to come. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to keep going. We've got a couple of amens. That's all right. The next thing here, you know, we've talked about how prayer connects us to God's work. Prayer focuses us on the God who is at work, and this is important for us. As we find ourselves in this season, in this time, there's a lot to do. There's work to be done, of course, but first and foremost, living a life of prayer focuses us, orients our minds to the fact that He is at work, that He's the one to do it. He's he's preeminent, he's sufficient, not ourselves, not on our own strength, but it's, it's this reminder that yes, he's the one who can do this. The, the battle is his. And so prayer partners us with what God is doing, but ultimately it's his power that's at work. So our prayer is not about our ability to say the right formula, to fast enough, to do enough, to where my prayer is going to be the really big, powerful one. But it's because I'm praying in Jesus, and it's because I'm trusting in him, and I'm relying on him, the ability, the victory, it's in him. Prayer, living a life of prayer, focuses us on the fact that God is at work, that God is doing. I want to get back to Colossians here. That's what we're talking about, right? Colossians 1, again, we we read this earlier, but uh, starting here in verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He, 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 he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Y'all, I know we're in church this morning. I know y'all don't want an English lesson. But when I was reading this, it took me back to, I think it must have been 7th and 8th grade. Remember whenever you used to diagram the sentences and your teacher would have it up on the whiteboard or blackboard and you'd be like, that doesn't make sense at all. A, A sentence is not supposed to look like a math equation, right? But if you remember that, we we would parse out the subject, the verb, the direct objects, the indirect objects, the other things that I can't remember because it just, but if I, you know, if I was really tapping into my inner English teacher right here, we would dissect the sentence and we would look and see who is the subject of the sentence? Who is the doer of the sentence? Who is the one who's causing the action? It's God. He has done it. He is the one who's delivered us. He's the one who's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's in whom, it's in him that we have forgiveness of sins, that we have these things. He has done it. He's the one. And that's what the focus is on here is as we get into prayer, we start to realize I am not the main character of my life. I'm not the one that this whole play is about. I'm playing my part. I'm doing my role but this is about somebody else. This is about another kingdom that I get to be a part of, but I'm not the main character here. I'm submitting my will to the one who is supreme, sufficient, the main character that is Jesus, that this is all about him. He's the one that we're submitting to, and it's in prayer that we start to realize this, that it's about God, that he has done it, that I get to benefit from it, and I need to tell other people about this because the benefits are good. But he has done it. He's the actor. He's he's the one who's going to make it happen for us. He's the the only one who's strong enough, sufficient enough to make it happen. He's the only one who can change our country. Y'all, it's not you. It's not me. It's not a president. He is the one who can do it. So let's partner with him. Let's get with him in prayer. Realize that there's work to be done, but realize that ultimately the battle is his. Ultimately, the work to be done is his. I want to come back to the book of Psalms because this is a place where we see prayer developed. One, something that has always stuck out to me from the book of Psalms is Psalm 22. If I'm going to give you homework, again, I'm an English teacher this morning. I'll give you homework to go read all of Psalm 22 end to end because it's so powerful how it's written in, in its entirety. Psalm 22 is a good one because this is where you see Jesus from the cross Quote some scripture. He quotes a prayer from the cross. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Has that, has that ever cut somebody to their heart a little bit hearing Jesus say that? That was one to me. I was always like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? For Jesus to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So many people in church would rebuke Jesus for that. O ye of little faith, Jesus, God would never leave you or forsake you. Scriptural, great. We can slap people with scripture all we want, all right? I know it happens at church. Someone would try to slap Jesus with scripture on that one. But you know, Jesus wasn't just saying that in that moment, God, you've forsaken me. Jesus was quoting a prayer that didn't end with that sentence, that had its completion. At the end of that psalm, I I want you to read the whole thing. But if you go, the last verse of that psalm says, he has done it. He has done it. So even in that moment, Jesus in this dark, depressed, difficult, painful time on the cross to be able to, to quote this prayer that, that the church, the, that God's people had quoted for years and years and years to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But finds this completion in the fact and the truth, knowing that God has done it. And that's going to be declared to a generation yet to come that he has done it. Even in that prayer, there's this knowing, there's this understanding in prayer that he is the actor, that he has completed, he will complete, he is the one to do it, he has done it. So let's not rebuke Jesus, all right? You don't wanna do that. But again, in prayer, we get this reminder. In a lifestyle of prayer, we get this reminder that yes, there's work to be done, but it focuses on the fact that he is the mover, he's the doer. It's in his power. It's in his strength that we're fighting. We can't forget that. So this is what prayer does to us. If you go to Colossians, you know, um, Paul just kind of bookends this whole thing here. We talk about prayer being a theme of Colossians. In Colossians 4, uh, verse 2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. He bookends the whole thing, starts with prayer. I'm praying over you. This is what my prayer is for you. Hey, continue steadfastly in prayer, even for us. This whole work of the Christian life, of us submitting to our lives to the supremacy of Jesus, this whole thing is lived out in prayer. Prayer is the beginning of the Christian walk. You know, nobody begins a Christian walk without first crying out to the Lord. It begins in prayer. The Christian walk begins in prayer and it is sustained and it's continued in prayer. It keeps going the same way that it started and this is what he, he encourages this church in, continue steadfastly in prayer. And what prayer does to us, it, it connects us to God's work. It connects us to God's word. It focuses on us on the fact that God is at work. That's what prayer does to the life of a Christian. That's what a, a life that is living for God, living under the supremacy of Jesus, that's what it looks like. One that is aware, connected intimately with his word, connected intimately with his work and what he's doing in this world, and connected in the, in the fact, the truth, to be thankful, to be assured, in the faithfulness of God, just like we were singing this morning, that God is faithful. He's at work and he's going to complete his work. That's what a life submitted to Jesus's Lordship looks like. And so this is my encouragement for us tonight. This is the uh, this morning. Sorry, we've been doing too many night services lately. Is wherever we're at, let's focus on praying. If you pray all the time, great, let's do it some more. Let's continue steadfastly in it. Let's remember that encouragement. If you're like, man, I haven't done this. I I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Just start. Get going in prayer. As you go, as you start to get behind the wheel and see what it's like, yeah, there are resources available to look at more how to pray, what to do. Uh, You know, you can look at uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount telling his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. And you can go start with the Lord's Prayer. Hey, I don't know how to do it, but let's start with this and see where that takes me. Go to the book of Psalms. That are prayers. There are resources available to you, but whatever it is, start something. Start. Get going. The best way to learn is to get behind the wheel and see how this thing drives. And if I could have the ministry teams go ahead and come up. I'd like the ministry teams available here because my encouragement right now I'm going to pray over you, but what I want to encourage you in is to come forward anytime that we do this. I want you to feel free to come and receive prayer from people who are believing in the power of prayer, people who are believing in God. Receive prayer for one another. Even if you don't come forward, find someone here that you know can agree with you, can pray with you. You know, I think that uh, as we go to church for a while strangely enough, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm wrong, fine, but this is my suspicion. My suspicion is that we start to stigmatize coming forward for prayer, right? Oh, it's at the very front. If I go forward for prayer, people are going to know I have a problem. God forbid anybody know I have a problem. All right. Listen, we all need prayer for something. And if it helps destigmatize it a little bit, Callie and I need some prayer for something. We're going to go up after. But y'all, in our church, I want it to be the coolest, most fashionable, most awesome thing to come forward for prayer. To be able to talk to somebody, to say, I need prayer in my life. To be connected. You know, uh, here at the beginning of the year, we're going to be starting full force life groups, connecting with one another in homes. One of the biggest things about life groups is that we pray together. I want it to be the most commonplace, natural, fulfilling thing for us to be like, yeah, I got some needs and I want to go to the Lord first. I don't want prayer to be my last resort. I want it to be my first, my foremost that I'm going to the Lord. And yes, I want somebody to agree with me and I want us to pray together because y'all, the church as it lives for Jesus is committed to prayer. So I don't want this to be stigmatized. I don't want anybody up here to go talking in the lazy heifer about what people are praying about. Okay? Y'all got that? Everybody's got that? Okay. So what's prayed about up here is going to stay here, but it's going to stay in agreement. And I don't want anyone to feel stigma or, you know, I got problems if they're coming for prayer. Newsflash, we all have problems. And newsflash, Jesus is the answer to those problems. So that's, that's my altar call is just come to the altar. <laughs> is what, whatever it is, find some prayer for it this morning. Commit yourself to prayer. Even if it's just, hey, I want my prayer life to develop. I want to grow in this. I want to develop in this. Come, receive some encouragement. Receive some prayer over it. We are the church. We are committed to prayer. If we are living for Jesus, we are praying. And so it's a good and beautiful thing to come and do this. So if you would, I want to ask you to stand. And I'm not going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes and raise their hand for anything. I'm going to do that in future services. I'll I'll continue to, to pray over people. But my altar call really is find somebody to pray with you this morning. Whether it's up here, whether it's with someone, a friend that you trust, you can come talk to me after me and Callie are done receiving our prayer. But receive some prayer this morning. Go to the Lord. Let's develop that. Let's flex that muscle as a church that God wants us to grow in, that he wants us to develop in. But just what I want to speak over you as we go from here and as we're dismissed, I pray that the Lord would direct each and every one of your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.